So today we morning. Finally, we are grateful to this community that the incredibly talented women of the Sewing Circle. I know each of you put so much love and care into every quilt that you make, and it's so obvious. So thank you for sharing with us, and I'm sure my family will spend the afternoon fighting over who gets it first. Many thanks to my good friend, Sergeant Major Dave Laycock, for your diligence and your research on my dad, and of course, for your love of this ministry of all military and first responders. And finally, to my dear friend and partner, Kelly, for your perseverance and your pursuit of a vision of a ministry to military first responders and their families. I have always known this ministry to be special. But now that my family has the privilege of being one of the honored families, it takes on a whole new role. So not only is this ministry special, but it's vital because it not only honors lives, but it saves lives. Well done, good and faithful servant. So I'm going to be reading to you from the gospel according to Luke this morning. And I actually have my dad's military issue by which is the New Testament James Version. I'm going to attempt to translate as I go along and probably have it be the Kathleen Mackey Version when it's all over. So, these words from Jesus this morning. And there went great multitudes with him. Jesus turned and he said to them, If any man in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he have sufficient funds to finish it? Lest, happily, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, and all that see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and he was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consult whether he is able with 10,000 to meet an army that comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way away off, he instead sends an ambassador and desires conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever of you that does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, may all that we do and say in this morning be well and good in your sight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this week didn't really turn out as I had planned. Thus, the sermon didn't really turn out as I had planned either. So if I had known what was going to be coming my way, my sermon title, I think about all that much in this message because I think you all already heard enough after the quilt presentation yet this Friday, my dad told me to do otherwise. Yes, quite a feat for a man who's been gone for more than 26 years, and no, I do not see dead people. 
But you see, this past Wednesday, Sergeant Major, while doing some research on my dad, came across an online resource titled The James Keith Mackey Collection through the Veterans History Project linked to the Library of Congress. And in spite of all the research that he had done up to then, somehow, some way, this website just happened to pop up this week. And linked to that was an audio file of my dad giving a 20-minute talk to St. Paul's Presbyterian Church in 1988 or 89 during their inaugural Memorial Day worship service, a service founded by my dad, which became an annual tradition for St. Paul's much like our service now. St. Paul always recorded their worship services for many, many in the late 80s would only be found on cassette tapes. So how is the time that we wish? So once I got over the initial shock of having such a treasure, and the more I kept listening over and over to his message, it slowly dawned on me. He was giving me a command for this morning. It's now my turn to tell his story. His message that morning began with a roll call of his fellow comrades in his squad. He read each name and stated their fate. All 11 members were either killed or missing in action Dad being the only survivor from his squad who had trained together and landed together on the shores of North Korea. And after the roll call, my dad said this. Like the ancient mariner, I feel speak for themselves. not able to escape these words. And I realized it was now my turn to tell the tale of a fine man. can no longer tell the tale himself. The message my dad gave so many years ago that he held back quite The things he shared were hard to fathom, whether it be details about witnessing his first comrade to die in battle, or the sounds and smells of war, or just the conditions of living daily as an infantryman in the 110 degree heat of the summer, or the negative 40 below cold of the winter. It's a story that seems unthinkable to most of us, yet a reality that should not be forgotten so that lessons may be learned and lives may be saved. As many of you may have noticed from your bulletin, today we're starting a new sermon series entitled Standing in the Gap. This series is twofold in its meanings. First of all, life is full of transitions. And we oftentimes find ourselves in those places of what was and not yet. And we are in this in-between place, in this gap. For instance, we all now find ourselves standing in the gap with COVID and that it appears that the worst of the pandemic is behind us. And yet we have yet to make that full leap into a truly post-pandemic world. Similarly, in those times of life's transitions and challenges, we may need to have others 
and in those depths. Those who can help us get from one side to the other. Those who can act as a bridge or a conduit to assist us in our travel to the chains that us. People who act as emotional or physical supports. Whatever they may be. And in thinking about the men and women who have served this nation, they have all clearly stood in the gap for us in a variety of ways. They have stood in the gap as we have made the transition to being a country held in control by England to be a country designed with our own freedoms in mind. They have stood in the gap on behalf of other countries and freedoms to free themselves from tyranny and oppression. They have fought tapes and tyrants and overlords. They have physically stood themselves in places and situations where many of us have been unable to ignore what we ever wanted. They put themselves in harm's way. And those who survived, they also found themselves in a place of transition in life. Having to navigate the norms of silly Hollywood consultation this morning, having a cup of coffee with his dad, and hearing a cry of alarm coming from the bedroom. Apparently, Grandma went to make Dad's bed, only to find a 45 handgun under his pillow. Dad said it was about eight months before he could sleep without a gun. Dad was standing in the gap. The physical horrors and discomfort of the combat zone were behind him, yet he was mentally and emotionally still at war, desperate to make the transition back into civilian life and to somehow live with the knowledge and the guilt and the blessing that he survived. It's almost a, a cultural joke or saying of sorts that everything costs something. That the time that it will take to build a tower or a king who takes the time to discern what it would cost to fight a particular enemy. In the same way, Jesus wants us to take the time to count the cost of what it means to be his disciple. That it could end up that you get nailed to a cross ourselves. To be willing to suffer shame and heartbreak and pain and maybe even death for a cause worthy enough. Did our military receive fair warning? Maybe, in a way. Like my friend Alec, who enlisted in the Marine Corps and served two tours in Afghanistan, he understood the cost of being a soldier. He knew there was a price to pay, yet I doubt he knew how high the price would be in the end. As my dad explained, he and his squad were highly trained airborne rangers, yet there was nothing 
in their training that could have possibly prepared them for what they experienced. He said it was one thing to jump out of an airplane as a paratrooper. It's a whole, whole another thing. jump out of an airplane when you're being shot. So that all who believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And it was worth it. He's to love to follow. He loves us anyway. Because he, pay, he already paid the ultimate price for our souls. And that was his life. And that is grace. And receiving grace costs us nothing. But it costs Jesus everything. And all of us here this morning have gathered to worship this God. Who gives us this love regardless of our own actions even our own unwillingness to hear without coercion or fear or retribution. And we can because someone else paid the price for this freedom to do so. Those of us who have never served and those who have never faced the horrors of war will never be able to fully understand the cost because others were willing to do so on our behalf. And thank God for that, right? So that should continue to inspire us to do things like this all the more, to properly observe Memorial Day and all that it stands for, to give God thanks for those who serve in uniform, to offer ministries to military first responders, veterans, and their families. We all must be compelled to tell the tale for men and women who can no longer tell the tale for themselves. President Lincoln's Gettysburg Address may arguably be one of the most well-written speeches in all of history, thus also making some of what he wrote incredibly ironic. I'd like to read a portion starting with that ironical line. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they fought here have thus so far nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take perish from the earth. All of us gathered in this room this morning are doing exactly what President Lincoln ordered us to do, to be dedicated to the task remaining before us, to honor the fallen dead so that their death shall not be in vain. <coughs> Two years ago when the moving Vietnam Wall Memorial was 
here in Livonia, there was someone always reading off the names of those who were listed on the wall. All day and all night, as long as the wall stood, names were being read. There was never silence. Because it is said that we die two deaths. The first death comes when one physically passes from this life. The second death comes when people no longer speak our names. We cannot afford to no longer speak the names of all those men and women who have died defending our country. We cannot afford to forget their sacrifice. Brothers, daughters, sons, sisters, mothers, friends, fathers for centuries have paid too high a price for us to forget. Now in this moment, I invite each of you to think of the names of soldiers who have passed. Any soldier who served in any capacity, war or peacetime, and as a way for us to honor those who served and to keep their memories alive, I would like us all to speak out their names together. Jim Mackey, Joe Mackey, Sean Callahan, Dominic Ciara Mataro. I think it's only fitting to invite the Sergeant Major back up to join me in reading a poem that I heard my dad read in his recording. This poem was written by a soldier in the 1800s after the Mexican-American War, and a portion of this poem can be found on plaques in a number of national cemeteries, most notably at the entrance to Arlington National Cemetery. And it is entitled, The Bivouac of the Dead. The muffled drum sad roll has beat the soldier's last tattoo. No more on life's parade shall meet that brave and fallen few. On fame's eternal camping ground, their silent tents are spread. And glory guards with solemn round the bivouac of the dead. No rumor of the foe's advance now swells upon the wind. Nor troubled throughout at midnight haunts of loved ones I left behind. Of the morrow's rife, the warrior's dream alarms. No braying horn nor screaming fife at dawn shall call to arms. The neighing troop, the flashing blade, the bugle's stirring blast, the charge, the dreadful cannonade, the din and shout are past. Nor war's wild note nor glory's peal shall thrill with fierce delight those breasts that nevermore may feel the rapture of the fight. Twas in that hour his stern command called to a martyr's grave, the flower of his beloved land, the nation's flag to save. By rivers of their father's gore, his firstborn laurels grew, and well he deemed the sons would pour their lives for glory too. Rest on, embalmed and sainted dead, dear as the blood ye gave. No impious footsteps shall here tread the herbage of your grave, nor shall your glory be forgot while fame her records keep, or honor points the hollow proudly sleep. 
Thank you, soldiers, for defending our rights and freedoms as originally written on parchment. Thank you, soldiers, for living up to the words of Lincoln as written on a napkin. Thank you, soldiers, for standing in the gap for us, for doing the things that we could not do ourselves. May God bless you, and may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen.